Hey, was Dungeons and Dragons around then too? Do you think that's where they got some of the ideas for some of the plot lines for Dungeons and Dragons? All of the kids are playing Dungeons and Dragons the whole show. Hey, I'm stupid. Yeah, cool. yikes. Cool. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hundred Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, pretty much everywhere. And if I could tag anything, like if I could put graffiti on anything, mm-hmm. I think it would be really cool to just like do your front door. Yeah, but what would you write? Uh, I didn't know that was part of it. That's what I assumed our fun fact assignment was. Oh. So you would obviously write Watch Lost. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've picked Watch Lost, in parentheses, 2004. Yeah. uh, Everyone's like, what? Of course. Duh. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And if I could tag something, it would definitely be like, I don't care, it could be any wall, and it would be hashtag um, Nina was robbed. Because Nina West was robbed on Drag Race. And I'm not over it. Thank you. No other thoughts? Other than you agree? I do have other thoughts, but um, I feel like I'm just gonna get yelled at. Why? Nina West was robbed. Yeah, but if you do- My thoughts were if you do just Nina was robbed, everyone's like, what's that about? You just need to be more specific, that's all. Yeah, but it's hashtag Nina was robbed. So then you go look up the hashtag and it's Nina West was robbed. Yeah, but um, grandfathers are gonna look at it and be like, uh-oh. <laughs> Who's Nina? Nina's getting robbed over here. I don't see a downside. Today we have words to say about episode 106 of Stranger Things, The Monster. And this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons one and two of Stranger Things. Um, So make sure you've seen those before you hang out here with us. Mm-hmm. Watch those, come back. Uh, it does not include spoilers for season three because it's not out yet. Boy, I sure wish it was. Me too. I am really excited I'm, about it. I'm waiting impatiently. Yeah, cool. Stranger right. Things and Stranger Things and then Stranger Things. Mm. So... I mean, let's just move right into it. Yeah, let's just jump into it. So I've got team adults, the ki- the teens, the kids, like I always do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to start with team adults because it was the shortest one. Very tiny, this episode. Yeah. Uh, so this is my summary of the team adult storyline. Joyce and Hopper realize that perhaps the kid that Hopper's been looking for was not in fact Will, but another kid. They do some research and go to visit a woman named Terry Ives who claims that her daughter was taken by the government and Dr. Brenner. Unfortunately, she's no longer verbal and her sister informs them that Jane was miscarried and not a real person. But that's what the man wants you to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my full summary. Jane. Yeah. That's a name. Mm-hmm. To this, I, I don't call her Jane, personally, even no. though that, that ends up being, like, you know, she gets on her, like, birth certificate at yeah. the end of season two and everything. I continue to call her Eleven. My tag for her on Tumblr is Eleven Hopper, so. That's really cute. I mean, so I'll take, I'll take her, her last, her official last name, but I, I reject her first name. Yeah, I, it just seems like, (laughs) it seems like too plain a name, Mm -hmm. a plain Jane. Mm -hmm. Like, she would have, like, a a number for a name. Yeah. But I do recognize the importance of, like, reclaiming your own name. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So Hopper and Joyce are basically just, like, being conspiracy theorists, both smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Married. Yeah. Very Mulder and Scully. I assume that they're smoking cigarettes because back in the 80s, they 
they thought that smoking was supposed to relax people. Mm-hmm. I've done shows mm-hmm. like for children about the dangers of using tobacco. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we get to tell them is that um, the tobacco companies will tell you that smoking relaxes you when it doesn't. It only relaxes you if you have a nicotine addiction and you're soothing the addiction with the nicotine. Exactly. And it adds more stress to you because as soon as you're finished, then you're thinking, when can I get my next one? Why don't I have enough money? Why Why is this taking over my life? So don't smoke, kids. If you need more, more reasons, God, do I ever have years and years of tobacco facts that have been drilled into my brain that I can't get rid of. Everyone's like, we didn't sign up for this for anti-tobacco stuff. And to that I say, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I love this moment because I feel like the audience really put it together already. Mm-hmm. But like when Hopper sees that drawing and Joy says, was it good? Mm-hmm. And Hopper's like, I'm not What's an your- art critic. I don't know. <laughs> What's your barometer for good kid art? Yeah. Um, and she's like, yeah, but like, was it good? And he's like, it was a stick figure drawing, like whatever. And she's like, okay, well then it wasn't Will because Will is a talented artist. Do you think Will's going to grow up to be an artist? I would love that. I think that would be the right thing for him. Yeah, it'd be really full circle for him, and I appreciate it. And he has, like, it would be a really good way for him to work through his trauma. Through yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. love that for him. Yeah, agree. I love the fact that Hopper is actually, rather than chasing after Will, is actually chasing after Eleven, who he ends up kind of, like, basically adopting. Adopting, yeah. Uh, so I just loved that concept. I kind of love that, and I didn't realize it until right now that, one of the most important relationships that has been built the entire time is between Hopper and Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that she takes the place of his daughter, but I think no. she fills a role that is important to him in the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's kind of poetic that he was looking for her all along. Yeah, I, I think, think it's so really too. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's like he was fighting for her before he even knew that he was exactly. Yeah. And then he was the one that basically kept her safe. Mm-hmm. I love that. I wonder if next season she'll ever call him dad, or do you think it's hell? No. He's always just going to be hot. I don't think she will because she has such bad connotation. I mean, it would be nice to see her. Well, it was Papa when she. Yeah, you know. she has such bad relationships with former like father figures, but it would be nice to see her be able to have a normal moment like that. I would love for her to call him Jim. <laughs> Jim. Thanks, Jim. All right, see you after the movie, Jim. Like, hey, this is weird. (laughs) That's weird. So when Hopper is at the phone booth. Phone booth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, forgot what they were called for a second, and then I was like, "Is that am I correct?" It's because they so rarely exist these days. Okay. Uh, he says that it's Terry Ives with a Y. We had a disagreement on what this meant. Yeah, you thought the Y was in Ives, and mm-hmm. I knew that the Y was in Terry. Don't worry about it. I feel like either way, that just wasn't clear. It wasn't clear unless you've seen unless you see the subtitles, which we had on. Wait, it is an incredibly nitpicky, ridiculous thing to even discuss, but we did discuss it. Yeah, yeah. I think that Becky who yes. is Terry's sister, mm-hmm. is a good sister. Because I don't know... I love my sister, but I don't know if I'm the type of person who could take care of somebody who needed care like that. Oh, and really? No, yeah. I think I think I absolutely could if it was my sister, mm. for sure. I also like that her attitude is very much someone who has seen and heard it all mm-hmm. and thinks all of it's just a bunch of bull. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think she's a really good sister, and I think that, like, she didn't stop anyone from coming in. Okay. This is- Okay, here's where it gets kind of muddy. Okay. So Terry did LSD because she was part of a experiment. Mm-hmm. 
while pregnant with Eleven, but then Becky says that she, that Jane was miscarried, which obviously is not true. It's because the government took the baby away yes. and then said that she'd miscarried. Yes. Correct? Yes. So that's the reason. So if you get pregnant and you have LSD, then you get a kid with telekinesis. Science, right? Wow. That, I, that was where I thought that they were, tr- that's what I thought they were trying to imply. But the whole thing about like MK Ultra is that it wasn't like, that's really not what was going on. Uh, explain that further for anybody who doesn't know okay, what hang that on. is. Let's make sure that I'm not talking out of my ass, shall we? So here's the definition of uh, MK Ultra, which was the program that like her mom was taken into and what Eleven eventually, I guess, successfully completed. It's the CIA mind control program. It's the code name given to a program of experiments on human subjects that were designed and undertaken by the United States CIA and which were at times illegal. They were intended to identify and develop drugs and procedures to be used in interrogations in order to weaken the individual and force confessions through mind control. So yeah, they really did that. That must be what MK stands for. Mind mind control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crisis control. The prequel. Uh, let's see here. Okay, MKUltra used numerous methods to manipulate people's mental states and alter brain functions, including the surreptitious administration of drugs, especially LSD and other chemicals, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. So, isolation... Isolation chambers. We, yeah, we the, that as the well. salt baths. Yeah. And then LSD. But I think that they're... It makes me wonder, like what the actual scientific cause of Eleven's powers yeah. is like. Because it can't be LSD. You don't just drop LSD and then get powers. That's not how science works. Right. Um, but it's clear that it's happened multiple times before. So what else so did they to add be, to it? It has to be um, repeatable. Yeah. So what would they do to a fetus to create that kind of power in a fetus? And like one of the things that she was saying, and like I've never done L- LSD, and you can tell because I'm a shut in uh, and I'm boring. Yeah. Slash responsible. Sorry, I mean I literally just read that they experimented on Canadians too. Oh. There's two subsections: experiments on Americans and experiments on Canadians. Well, now it's too close to home, and I cannot speak on it anymore. What the hell? But anyway, like I was saying, I've never done LSD, but like I imagine. Like, because that's a major hallucinogen. So, if you do LSD and then go into an isolation chamber where you don't feel anything, it's like literally just <gasps> your brain going off. That would like, be hell on earth. When she said that, I was like, I mean, I don't even know. I'd honestly, I'd almost be interested in <laughs> reading those studies. Because yeah, there's what? There's a lot of, like, they did a lot of stuff to a lot. There was one guy they kept um, on LSD for 174 days straight. Ugh. How do you're, you even- you're after? After that, you're not a person anymore. Your brain's fried. Yeah. You wouldn't even know what it was like to be normal after that. No, you'd just be you'd be done. They gave up on the notion that LSD was the secret that was going to unlock the universe. That's in quotes. Mm-hmm. But it still had a place in the cloak and dagger arsenal. However, by 1962, the CIA and the army developed a series of super hallucinogens such as the highly touted BZ, which was thought to hold a greater promise as mind control weapon. So they just stopped do, uh, researching LSD and I guess people just started taking it for fun. Great. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. You were saying when we were watching that you thought it made a lot of sense that Becky wouldn't believe all this? Yeah, because, I mean, if someone... We live in such a different world. So maybe I'm thinking about Becky. I think if I were Becky and I was hearing those things at that time of the year or at that time in human history, I would be like, that's a bunch of bull. But if I heard those things now, I'd be like, yeah, that's a possibility. Mm. But for Becky, I think because she's seen the results of all of this and there's just 
so many ridiculous things piled up on top of each other, like the children, LSD, mind control, the man, stuff like that. It's just, she just sits there and smokes her cigarette and says, okay. And I respect that about her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hopper mentions that now Terry has like a chance that Jane is alive. Joy still has a chance with Will and he just wishes that he like, he would give anything to have a chance that Sarah was still out there. That hurts my heart. Yeah. That was sad. Yeah. Um, and then after that, they'd get the phone call that Jonathan got in a fight. And that's the end of the of that storyline. So narratively, just to go back to like Hopper for a second. Yeah. Why do you think that his daughter couldn't be saved by... Because weren't they living in the same place that a lot of these experiments were happening in the first place? Right. I thought that that was at the point where he lived in Chicago, which is the city that we chose for him. Oh, right. Okay, 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 okay. So... Because it, it did make me wonder for a hot second. I was like, why wouldn't they... I mean, in whatever his face is mine, that's a free kid. Right. You know? Interesting. I hope that they don't do any kind of plot line with that with him. Oh, yeah. I think I think Sarah's time is over. Yeah. It, it's important for them not to do that because it takes away from the stakes. Yeah. Um. So before we move on to the next one, we're going to go over... I got, I got some um, super fun, cool good and fresh bloopers slash trivia from IMDb. So I'm going to read it out. Okay? I'm ready. During the supermarket scene, Eleven can be seen walking past a pack of Trident White gum. Trident White wasn't introduced until 2001. Oops. Whoops. That's such a small thing. Yeah. Uh, after the cold open, Sunglasses and Night is playing as Steve and his friends drive in his car. The song was released in January 1984. And this takes place in 1983. So, whoops. A little less nitpicky. Yeah. Ooh, this is a big one, actually. This one's really interesting. During a flashback, Dr. Brenner tells Eleven not to be afraid of the scientists and lab technicians and that they are all friends. Can you tell me what the problem with that is? Wait, say that again? Dr. Brenner tells Eleven not to be afraid of the scientists and lab technicians and tell and tells her that they are all friends. Can you tell me what the problem is? What's the blooper? I don't know. I was just thinking about the psychological effects of that mm. kind of abuse. In an earlier episode, but later chronologically, the boys say the word friend to Eleven and she doesn't know its meaning and used to be defined, yet she's heard it before oops oh oops. oh no oh that sucks yeah that that was a big one and i think i think that was a pretty big one that they messed up yeah that's kind of a big deal yeah when hopper and joyce go into jane's room there's a framed illustration of the white rabbit from alice's adventures in wonderland a story that centers around a child falling through a portal into an alternate world full of strange and magical things okay i always got alice in wonderland vibes from this actually yeah. Yeah. The way that Eleven's psychic visit to the Upside Down is depicted in a, is very similar to visuals contained in the Doctor Who serial, Kinda, originally airing in England in 1982. What doctor is that? I don't. 1982? Alexa, who was Doctor Who in 1982? Here's something I found on Wikipedia. I don't think that helped me. Alexa, who played the doctor in Doctor Who in the year 1982? Here's something I found from the article The Doctor, Doctor Who, on Wikipedia. The longest lasting on-screen incarnation is the fourth doctor, played by Tom Baker for seven years. I'll look it up. Okay. It's probably Tom Baker. Um, 82 to 84, Peter Davison. Five? Tom Baker was until 81. Peter so Peter Davison's Davison. five. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm a legend. I'm Brittany and I know numbers. You, I don't have the memory for anything. Okay. That was impressive for me and you know it. 
All right. In Stranger Things, Elle is depicted in a featureless black void with her mirror reflection the only other visible thing. In the Doctor Who serial, companion character Tegan falls into a dream state where she envisions a featureless black void and only her mirror image. Additionally, Kinda had a plot concerning a snake-like monster escaping from an astral plane and invading the material world, much like the monster in Stranger Things. Wow. Hey, was Dungeons and Dragons around then too? Do you think that's where they got some of the ideas for some of the plot lines for Dungeons and Dragons? All of the kids are playing Dungeons and Dragons the whole game, the whole show. Hey, I'm stupid. Yeah. Yikes. Cool. (laughs) Hey, do you think that this basic premise that the whole show is based on was invented around the time the show was set? That's where the Demogorgon came from. I'm gonna keep that one. No! Yeah, that's my top joke. (laughs) That was good. Okay. Wow. Uh, When Troy pulls the knife on Stop! I hate you! Listen, you know how I was literally just being triumphant that I remembered something and was smart for five seconds? (laughs) It's just like, oh, how the mighty fall straight (laughs) to hell. When Troy pulls the knife on Mike and Dustin, it is reminiscent of Stephen King's It. When the bully uses his switchblade to carve his initials on one of the kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was bad. When Jonathan gets the better of Steve and is repeatedly punching him in the face, Tommy shouts, Stop it, man. He's had enough, which is almost exactly what Bobby says in The Karate Kid from 1984, when Daniel is getting beat up after the Halloween dance. Later, in season two, episode two, Tommy is wearing a Cobra Kai gi as his costume at the Halloween party. (gasps) Oh, do you think they- Okay, so that's definitely done on purpose. See, here's the thing, is that it's like, that quote is 100% from The Karate Kid. That's how they wrote it. Yeah. But Tommy would have no way of knowing that because the movie didn't come out until the next year. Ooh. Ooh, good point. But then the next year, of course, he's wearing like the costume from the the movie. So he's clearly, like, hey, I inspired this movie. Either way, you know, it worked out. The musical mobile over the baby bed that Terry Ives keeps for Jane has yet another reference to Stephen King work. The clowns are reminiscent of Pennywise from It, who is also a murderous villain who terrorizes an otherwise serene town and fights a group of group of children who band together to defeat the monster i mean considering that um yeah that finn was in and the same thing with like Derry is as creepy a town as hawkins for Mm -hmm. sure like they have the same kind of supernatural vibes i love that that's really cool i know i got the town right you ass. Weird. I know. That it's called Derry, mm-hmm. and it's a fictional town in Maine, but Derry is a real town in Ireland. I know. Hmm. How did I know you were going to say that? Hmm. Because I like that show, Brittany. You sure do. Okay, so now it's time for the teens. So, yeah. Okay. I just want everyone to know before we do this that I am not going to try and defend Steve at all this episode. I think that that's good for you. I do have a good guy Steve alert, but it's okay. something very small. Okay. Because it's my um, 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 segment. So I okay. had to have something, okay. but I, in no way am I going to try and say that what Steve did this episode was a good thing to do or even really justified. And I just want everyone to know that. Okay, good. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Because this is Steve's lowest point in the series, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. All right. So this is the teen storyline. Jonathan helps Nancy get out of the tree portal and they go back to Nancy's house. Of course, this is the moment where Steve shows up and sees Nancy and Jonathan together, which upsets him. Neither Jonathan nor Nancy wants to be alone, so Jonathan is going to sleep on the floor. Nancy eventually invites him to sleep in her bed with her. It's chill though. Yeah, it is chill. Yeah. I heard that. It's very respectful. 
In the morning, they collect all of their information and come to the conclusion that they can lure the monster with blood. They go to the store and get a bunch of bullets and bear traps and just a bunch of things that teens shouldn't have. Before they can go back home, Nancy sees that Steve and his horrible friends have slut-shamed her by graffitiing on the movie theater sign. She confronts Steve about it and he yells at Jonathan about his family. Jonathan and Steve have a fist fight and Jonathan totally wins. <laughs> Unfortunately, he and Nancy get taken to the police station about it. One of the few times I'll ever be team Jonathan is during this entire yeah uh, fight, but also like the entire concept of the scene. Yeah. My first note about this uh, storyline was Nancy, the monster will eat you if you're out here screaming. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. She was, like, really screaming. Yeah, how did the monster not go, ah, a oh, snack? Oh, there she is. This is a Well, I guess it was already eating a snack, so. So, the big question that you had about this scene um, was, how can they hear each other? Yeah, that was because when Will was trying to communicate with, um... Joyce. She couldn't just hear him when he was talking out loud. He had to call her, like, using her phone or talk through the lights. So why all of a sudden, is it that, like, the barrier between the worlds is thinner here? Well, she could hear him when he was, like, right on the other side of the wall being, like, like knock, knock, knock. Um, I wonder if Will, um, when he, when she couldn't hear him, was trying to be quiet because the monster was around, maybe? Um, because every time that he, like, was helping her and was, like, talking to her, mm -hmm. it would show up and then he would have to run away. Okay. So I wonder if he was trying to stall and make give himself more time by being quiet. That's possible. Um, I do know that they can probably hear each other just because, like, the Upside Down is supposed to be, like, just immediately adjacent to the real world. Yeah, but if Will was standing in his house, which we know he was, and, like, for example, when Joyce was hiding in the cupboard and using the lights to talk to him, he was obviously right there, too. Yes. So if it is adjacent to it, then they should have been able to talk to each other. Yeah, I just think that Will was trying not to speak out loud because he was trying to be quiet. Okay, but then what did he do to make the lights glow? We thought that he touched the lights. You, but when they were in that big ball and he turned all of them on? Yeah. Well, wait, you thought he talked to the lights? No, I was just trying to figure out like what he could have done to trigger them in his universe slash how he even knew they were there in the first place. Yeah. I, that's interesting. I feel like we found an inherent, like, flaw in the logic of the Upside Down that we will never be able to solve and that the show probably doesn't care enough to solve, which I will understand. Yeah. Yeah, because it seems like every time that Will goes to the Upside Down and we get to see him at the Upside Down, it's clear that, like, nobody is around. Like, it's like, mm -hmm. um, it's... Like a wasteland. It's, it's a wasteland. Yeah. Nobody's ever there. Um, even when we see it, like, at the beginning of season two when they're, like, at the arcade and he's, like, walking out and everything and then like immediately like we see that it's completely empty mm -hmm. and then Mike is like hello and then it's like oh hello and then it's like Mike is suddenly there right yeah. so it's clear that in this other universe everyone else isn't really there I wonder if you're there for a long time if you can figure out where people are or something but it, I also don't think that that um objects move because Barb like the when Barb went in there there was no water in the swimming pool exactly so it kind of makes you wonder what the scientific like explanation for how did he make the lights work is. I mean, I can like try and like make something up in which like Will would uh, put in a bunch of energy and like tried really hard yeah, to see everything. That, that was what my assumption as well, which is that it was some kind of like telekinesis. But we've been given no information on that at this point. But it also brought me to my next thought, which was maybe there's no people there because if you are there for long enough, you turn into one of them. Uh. Because that would explain the barfing up of like the... No, it wasn't slugs, because he's not Ron Weasley. It was kind of like a slug. Yeah. Thing. 
Like, maybe you are slowly changed, so maybe when you die there, what you actually do is become some kind of host for, you know, a Demogorgon-type creature. Right. Well, we've seen Will, like, when they get in there, like, in the next, I mean, obviously, two episodes, those are the yeah. only two that are left this season, is when, like, they finally get into the- Hopper and Joyce, that is, finally gets into the the upside down, they find Will, and he's, like, attached to that tree, yeah, right? Like and they have to consumed. pull out that snake or whatever is inside yeah, him. So yeah, so it makes me wonder if it's less that he's being, like, used for energy and more that he's being used as a host. Yeah. I don't know. Because where would everyone go? Right. Why is there no one there? Because even if everyone, even if the Upside Down was a mirror image of the pl- of our universe and people fell into it or it was populated by it, you should see more people. Yes. Okay. There are things happening in my brain. Okay. I wonder if all... Okay, so stay with me. I'm going to say something contradictory and you're going to want to fix it, but I have I will say thought. nothing. I have a thought about it. I wonder if the only reason why people are bringing brought into the Upside Down is for this hosting ability, right? Mm-hmm. Th- they're not planning on eating anybody mm-hmm. or anything. It's specifically for hosting. Yeah, like okay? repopulation. Right. Okay. Specifically for that. Okay. And so now you're wondering, okay, but why did they eat Barb then? And I think it's because Barb was bleeding. Will was not bleeding. Nancy, when she went into the portal, she wasn't pulled into the portal, but when she was, she wasn't bleeding, so she wasn't getting eaten. Does that make sense? No, 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 no. It makes sense. I'm just trying to figure out, do you think Barb, Barb was actually being eaten? Or do you think Well, Barb she got could- dead. She died. She got dead. <laughs> she did, but could she also be, like, a host? Like, do you have to be alive to be a host in the Upside Down? Like, no one says that there's, like, logic here. No one says that, um, but we also fully just haven't seen Barb since then, so we have no reason to think that she is and that she wasn't eaten. No, so I think just you become a creature. Up. I don't think you become the living dead. I think you become a creature. Because the only reason why I don't think Barb was being eaten in the traditional sense is because we saw the Demogorgon eating a deer, and that was eating in the traditional sense. So either they're being absorbed into that greater big monster and they're a food source, or maybe there's some kind of like weird population thing happening. Yeah. It's gross, but maybe we'll learn more about it next season. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. Um, There was a reference to Carrie. Nancy's arm coming out of the tree is just like Carrie's arm coming out of the grave. Oh, okay, okay. So more Stephen King. Okay, question. Why does Steve bring his friends to talk to Nancy? Emotional support, I guess. But extra, extra bullying. They're just extra garbage. Yeah. I wonder if they, maybe they were on their way somewhere and um, he was like, Nancy was being weird. You're having a thought. I can see it for me. I sure am. Mm-hmm. I'm having a thought and I'm realizing that all of my answers are wrong and I actually know what the answer is. What's the answer? Well, I can't remember if Steve had said like, oh, all of us are going to see all the right moves or if he was asking Nancy specifically to go to all the right moves. But I think what happened was Nancy was like, no, I don't want to go to the movies with you. And Steve was like, that's okay. Cause he's like a pretty okay dude most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, no, I don't want to because she had plans with Jonathan. So she goes and hangs out with Jonathan. And then what's happening is Steve is finishing going to the movie with Tommy and Carol. And on his way back from the movie, he's like, Nancy was acting weird. I'm just going to check to make exactly. sure she's okay. That's why he's with his friends. I'm very proud of you for figuring that out. But of course he doesn't go, knock, knock. Hello, is Nancy here? Because, um, I mean, I don't know if he knows that she told her mom well, or kind of lied to her mom. Like he'd be like, hi, I'm Steve. And she'd be like, oh, you're Steve. <laughs> Slap him right into the next week. <laughs> um, but he like climbs up to her room, sees that she's with Jonathan, which obviously, like I said, I'm not here to defend Steve in any way in this episode. I feel a Um, butt coming. But (laughs) I understand why seeing that would be upsetting when you think that you're in a relationship with somebody. And I think that it's a 
I'm of two minds. Okay. On the one hand, seeing your girlfriend in her bedroom with another man. Yeah. Being, Actually, like, having you know his what? arms around You know her. what? Just kidding. That, But at the same time, it's like, why can't two people just be friends and you not jump to conclusions? Yeah. I think that if that was true, he would probably um, hope that Nancy would have said, like, another thing is that she blew him off from the movies to hang out with Jonathan, clearly. And... It, like, maybe if she had said, like, no, I have plans with Jonathan, or, like, I'm gonna hang out with Jonathan, but, like, he also, he has, he's putting a coat on her, he's got his arm around her, and Yeah, but think about know? how Steve would have reacted if she said, no, I'm hanging out with Jonathan. He still would have been jealous. Yeah, but at least it wouldn't have been, like, he wouldn't have, like, seen them behind his back, kind of. I don't know. Maybe. I, it, it, it would upset me if it was me. Whereas, not, not, not enough to, like, go and, like, slut shame in front of the entire freaking town or yeah. whatever, but, like, I know that, like, it would definitely cause me to, like, either send a text or, like, see them, I mean, obviously this is the 80s, but, like, or see them the next day and be like, hey, um, sorry, you know, and then it'd be like, why are you up in my room when I didn't ask you to? But, you know, he's done that before. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, the next step in dealing with this would have definitely been to ask questions yeah. instead of just being an ass. Being reactionary. Yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, of course, dramatically, it makes perfect sense. But for Steve, it is a borderline irredeemable moment. And I know, like, basically everyone's already forgot about it because everyone loves Steve, and that's fine. Yeah. And I also love Steve, but I do think that I wish the show remembered this kind of jerky Steve a little bit yeah. more. I mean, even, like, earlier when we're, like, also supposed to dislike Steve when he breaks Jonathan's camera and stuff, we found reasons to be, like, actually what Steve does is is one of the like least bad things that he could do which is like he punished Jonathan but he didn't stay around to like watch him flounder he didn't stay around so that it's you know the, the equivalent whole, the whole of what Jonathan does come. in this episode yeah he de Steve defends Nancy's honor Jonathan defends Nancy's honor it's the same yeah. thing so you can't like equate one to the other without saying uh actually those are basically the same thing yeah but Steve just escalates it in this episode to a place where it's like there's no making excuses for this what you did was bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In the car, he's like, I need to go check on Nancy. And Carol is like, oh my God, Steve, do you have a crush on her? And I'm like, Carol, what world are you living in? What like, rock are you living under? All right. Like, clearly. It, did she miss the memo that they're dating? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. But he gets really upset. He's just like, shut up. Like, leave me alone or whatever. It's like, why Why do you think he gets so upset? I think it's because men get bullied for having emotions. Yeah. So if they admit, Especially oh. The 80s. Exactly. So if they're like, oh yeah, I like a girl. I was gonna be like, oh my God, you like a girl. That means you're slightly vulnerable. <laughs> Like, 100%, that's what it is. Yes. Because we live in a really gross world. Yeah. So, that's um, probably it. Yeah, probably. Yes, so Steve sees Nancy with Jonathan. Okay. Plus, the word crush connotates more of a female, mm. like, emotion. If, what if what you, do you think is the bet? like, not, not necessarily better, but, like, what's the, the masculine equivalent of having a crush? Because you don't want to say, have feelings for. Like. Because that's worried. Yeah, like. Probably like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it were now, it'd be like, do you want to hit that? <laughs> oh, boy. Smash or pass. Oh, smash or pass. Yeah. Oh, my next question is, like, moving away from Steve, mm -hmm. Steve for a bit, because we're with Nancy and Jonathan now. Um, Do people wear rings in the shower? Some people do. I just feel like your hair would get caught in the ring. Especially if you have, like, um, like real jewelry that's, like, you know, not going to tarnish and stuff. Like, especially engagement and wedding stuff. Some people don't take that on, take those off at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Basically. Especially if it's like real gold or sterling silver. Maybe it is. I don't know. I feel like for someone like me, I wouldn't be able to take it off because I, if I put it down, I would not find it again. Mm. 
Oh, I had a nitpicky complaint again. What? Um, Nancy uh, uh, is trying to sleep on a decorative pillow. <laughs> that was so funny. Sleep on a sleeping pillow, Nancy. You have so many. Like, it wasn't funny because she was sleeping on a decorative pillow. It was funny because both of us were horrified. We were like, um, that pillow is decorative. That's not comfortable. You don't want to sleep on that. That is for aesthetics when <sighs> either you need to clean your room and you feel really proud of it and you're like, I like this nice thing. Or... You have to clean your room because your parents are going to show their friends your room and you have to be proud of it. I think we all know that. It's like when there's decorative towels and it's like, don't use the decorative towels. They're purely decorative. Yeah. I feel like this episode is one of the main episodes that made me team Jonathan in season one. Yeah. Um... I feel that even though Jonathan was super out of line earlier this season with taking the photos and everything, we've beat this dead horse already, you know, all about how, how everyone forgets Let about Jonathan. Let the horse rest, bury yeah. it. But yes, I agree with you. But of course, if somebody hasn't heard those previous episodes, this is the first episode that you have with us. You know, we've mentioned before how garbagey Jonathan was about the whole picture thing. Slash, I don't like Jonathan. What? Who yeah. said that? But the way that this, the whole bed situation happens mad respectful. But again, this is just giving men points for the bare minimum. Oh, fully. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But like, sleeps on the floor, then she can, she allows him to come up up to the bed. So he comes to the bed, he does not try to touch her, he doesn't try to do anything, and he doesn't even go under the covers. Yeah, his mama raised him right. He, he sleeps on top of the covers. Yeah, his, his mama raised him right in this aspect. Mad respectful. Yeah. That's literally the, the bare minimum we can ask for. Yeah, if there's any men um, listening, I would actually really love to know, like, if you were taught this kind of courtesy or if it's, like, something that media has to teach you. Yeah. Like, I, I'd be fascinated in, like, what the social protocols are for that sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's, oh, I'll sleep on the couch. Like, I would never assume to be able to share someone else's bed. But, of course, it's different if I'm with another woman. Right. Because it's, like, there's more of a, less of a boundary there. I don't know. It makes you, it makes you wonder. Yeah. Gender's a construct anyway. I didn't think that this scene felt romantic. Like it meant, it, it clearly it was like meant to be romantic narratively because then later they're like going through their theory and then they like hold hands and they're like, oh my god, oops. But, but to me it didn't read as romantic really. I thought it was just like, we are both terrified people. Good thing we're not trying to kiss right now because uh, nobody would be about it. I didn't rate it as romantic either, but that's because I don't like them together romantically. Mm. Um, I think it can be read as romantic if Mm. you're into them. But I think it also, if you're not going to read into it romantically, I think it also is a great demonstration that the two are good friends regardless of any romantic implications that their actions might have. Right. That they have a good support system with each other and they don't have to date in order to have that. Yeah. Um, Jonathan says, your mom doesn't knock, implying that Joyce does knock uh yeah if you raise teenage boys you learn to knock <laughs> go off um karen breaks into nancy's room yeah i've my mom never did that but i've known many a friend who do things like that yeah yeah if they knew, like nancy probably knows that her mom is kind of nosy mm-hmm. and her mom would eventually like break into her room they don't even clean up the bed on the floor i don't think they had time because i think she probably knew that the longer she was gone the quicker her mom would come upstairs right but yeah wow she could have just as easily just shoved them in her bed yeah <laughs> oops I'm like, seriously? Like, obviously it, like, makes, it makes more suspenseful for when Karen comes in and she's just like, was there somebody else here that I didn't know about? Oh my god, ah, you said it was, like, a mother's nightmare. Which is, like, the funniest thing to me is that if I were, (laughs) if I were in that situation and I walked in my daughter's room and I saw a bed on the floor, I'd be like, did she just sleep over and I just didn't know about it? 
Like, I would just assume it was, like, another girl. I don't she, know why. Yeah, I'd be, like, going through her friends, and I'm like, wait, Barb is, like, dead or something, so who could it have so been? Did they, has she been hiding Barb the whole time? Oh, my gosh. But then again, she might assume it's Steve, though. If it, if she assumed it was Steve, he would have slept in her bed with her. But then, the, yeah. But then there would be no need to assume in the first place, so visually that wouldn't work. Yeah. Huh. So, anyway. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. If you needed to buy a bear trap, would you want it 30% off? Hell yeah! But doesn't... Uh, but, does that mean it's a bad bear trap? No, I would assume that it was last year's model. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because it's at the value store? Yeah, just out of date. So America... America. You great unfinished symphony. He's just letting them buy all this stuff? He's not even asking for, like, IDs or anything? He's just letting them buy it. I don't think you need IDs to buy those things. In America. It, would you need ID- IDs to buy bear traps here? I don't know. No, he bought bullets, too. You can buy bullets. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't buy bullets. No, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that's bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, fully. Yeah. I... I believe in the strictest gun regulations that exist. Yeah. And if you don't agree with that or don't like that, again, I just don't care. Yeah. You know, my mm-hmm. podcast, my rules, I think guns should just, just go away. Yes. I've Thank never you. shot a gun and I don't have any interest in doing so. Like, I just, I think all guns should be registered. Mm-hmm. I think you should do it the way the Canada does it. But I think we should have even stricter gun control laws. Yeah. Here. You know? So when someone says, I'm not trying to take away your guns, I just want stricter gun control, I am absolutely trying to take away your guns. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Um, Nancy says that they are going monster hunting. So, so nice of her not to lie. Okay, I fully would have said science experiment. Yeah. That would have been so believable. But she's like, monster hunting? And he's like, I don't feel like getting into that. And, um... We don't have time to unpack all all of of that. that. Then they have a chat about, uh, what's the most weird, like, what's weirder? The fact that they're like, I don't know, do all this stuff or the fact that she's hanging out with Jonathan and she says the fact that she's hanging out with Jonathan is weirder well I would have thought it was the supernatural being in an alternate universe but you know what who honestly who knows with teenagers do it for the bands yeah true mm-hmm. true true so <laughs> all the right moves starring Nancy the slut wheeler <sighs> uh, all the right moves is a 1983 American sports drama film I looked up what the plot was, but it was about sports, so I didn't really pay attention. I was literally, you said I looked up what the plot was, and I was like, you just said sports drama. Why would I want to know the plot? (laughs) Yeah. I read it, and I was like, I didn't retain any of that, so. Like, if you were like, it's a drama, I'd be like, cool, tell me more. And then you're like, it's about sports. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah, the next note I had was, I don't know, football? (laughs) Question mark. Um, the only sports movie that I recognize is Bend It Like Beckham. Mm -hmm. Thank y'all. I like... The Game Plan. I like that movie because I'm gay for Paige Turco. I also like Million Dollar Arm. Mm -hmm. I've seen Rudy, and I think I liked it when I watched it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I like League of Their Own. That's a good one. That is a good one. Okay, so maybe we're okay with sports movies. I like Space Jam. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I named my first cat after Lola from Space Jam. What's that movie that Shia LaBeouf was in about golf? Girl, I don't know. It was called The Greatest Game Ever Played, 2005. Anyway, I remember also liking that movie. I don't know if I agree that golf is the greatest game ever played, but Mm -hmm. I do appreciate the audacity of saying it. Yeah, Yeah. I will maybe think of more sports movies, but not right now. Mm -hmm. Steve deserved that slap. And um, I am almost certain that that was a real slap. They didn't do like a fake movie slap. Like that was a slap. That looked like a full slap. Yeah. Um, And a lot of actors, especially because like on film 
fake slaps, unlike fake punches and stuff, it's hard to fake a slap and make it look like a slap. And so a lot of actors who, if they are getting slapped, like a slap doesn't take, it, it doesn't hurt as much as a punch. So yeah. it's like a lot of actors, if they're supposed to get slapped, like for the good of the film, they'll be like, they'll just slapped. slap me. I mean, when they did um, a slap between River Song and the 11th Doctor, they just, Al- Matt Smith was like, looked at Alice Kingston and he was like, just slap me. Yeah. And then they did it and she did it a little bit too hard. Mm-hmm. And he was injured. <laughs> Great. But yeah, like I, appre- I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, I don't expect that out of actors. Mm. I don't think they have to do those things. No, they don't have to. But they really commit. Yeah. They do that for us. Joe Keery is that guy. And he Hondo. would, Joe Keery would get slapped for the show. Yeah. And I believe that he did in this moment. I also believe that. Yeah. Steve mentions that, oh, he was like, was Jonathan Earhouse to study? And of course that has nuance based on like what the pilot. To study. Because when Nancy said she was studying, they were like macking on each other and stuff. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Steve is obviously hurt, but this is not Okay. Um, Steve starts saying that he thought he was queer and starts insulting his family, saying that his family is the, like, scum of the freaking earth. And of course, I don't think that Steve actually feels this way. I just feel like he has things that he, he, he's just trying to hurt Jonathan's feelings, obviously. Whereas in my opinion, I think that Steve probably does have some underlying, um, internal prejudices that a lot of people had, um, in terms of, like, homophobia. Because, like, using queer as a slur is where we, where... I mean, that's just the roots of homophobia is yes. saying, oh, I thought you were a queer. And it's like, first of all, we took that word back, so frank you. Yeah. But yeah, I think that Steve probably has some internalized homophobia in there. Yeah, and I think that if he knows anything about Jonathan's family, I'm not saying that he does. I don't know how, like, why he would. But if he does, then maybe he might be a little bit jealous even. And that's why he's saying these things, because it's clear that even though his dad isn't around like Jonathan and his brother and Joyce they have a really good relationship Mm -hmm. and they're a happy family whereas Steve's family life is pretty broken yeah so I wonder if maybe he you know making it it about his family might be um I definitely uh, think that might be purposeful yeah there's probably definitely a lot of resentment there but um once again like the way that Steve chooses to deal with his feelings is probably a product of his environment but is incredibly unhealthy. Yeah. Just bad with a capital B. Yes. And of course, like we said, everybody loves Steve, especially now after season two. Steve is like the light of everyone's life. And I'm, God, I'm excited to see him in season three. He's, it's going to be so good. He's working at an ice cream shop. What a icon. Mm-hmm. But of course, this cannot be erased. And it shouldn't be. Like people, sometimes humans are shitty. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the reality. I know that we live in a culture where like everyone is canceled over the smallest thing. But uh, at the end of the day, everyone's done something shitty and everyone's shitty. Mm-hmm. So it's what you do afterwards that counts. So it doesn't mean that someone is, has to forgive you. Yeah. And if someone doesn't like Steve because of this and doesn't forgive him, that's fine. Yeah. But we personally have, and we've moved past it, but we also recognize that there were points in which he was a very hard to like character. Yes. And I believe it's it, almost certainly next episode is the episode where he like chooses to take it back and, you know, has a change of heart and everything. Yeah. Once again, there's no way for him to completely get rid of what he did. It All he can really do is just like apologize and promise to try his best to do better and be a better person. Yeah. And, um. Grow and evolve as a person. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, be a good role model for Dustin and whoever else he ends up hanging out with this whole season yeah. and all of season two. And I think he accomplishes that. I think that he does oh, sure. do better. Even in 
even in the interim between the seasons, clearly, you know, he's trying harder in school. Um, he and Nancy buy Jonathan a new camera. You know, I think that he does accomplish being a better person and trying to be a better person, especially when he like fully just ditches Tommy H and Carol because they're clearly terrible influences on him. But of course, like I've said multiple times, I think even Steve knows that there's no way to erase what happened. Yeah, exactly. There. And I assume that, I don't know if Steve and Nancy's relationship could have been endgame with that in their past. That's a good point. I mean, that's not to say that I like Jonathan and Nancy's relationship, because I don't. Mm -hmm. But you're right, that does make a very, that would be a weird story to try and tell your kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan wins the fight, basically. Do you think Steve gives up? No. I think that what Jonathan has on his side is a lot of repressed feelings, a lot of rage, a lot of fear at what's happening with his mom, what's happening with his brother, like all of that stuff. And then on top of it, there's also a monster. So like, he is just pure adrenaline. And Steve is known as like the king, like King Steve, blah, 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 right? And But every time we see him go up against somebody in an actual fight, he loses so hard. Like, against Billy in season two, he freaking gets eviscerated. Like, they call him King Steve, but I don't think he's good at fighting. No, he's King Steve because he's all mouth. Yes. You know, he can yeah. talk a big game. He's but charismatic. Exactly. Yeah. But... He, he, he can't fight for anything. You know what? That's actually, he should probably learn to fight if he lives in this world. Yeah, probably. You know? And then at the police station, Flo tells Nancy basically like, only love makes you that crazy and that stupid. And yeah. it's like, it's a cliche like thing where it's like, oh my God, does he love me? And then she walks over and they're like, oh, a moment. But I don't know. I'm like, okay. Love? Like, she only just- started hanging out with him like two days ago. I mean, I it's a teen romance and I get that. And it's it's the kind of cliche fun things that like definitely define films of the eighties. So it's very much like an inline callback to something like that. And it's kind of cute. But at the same time I'm just like toxicness is not how you show love. I have to say though, in my opinion And also if we're gonna play by those rules, then that's when Steve punched Jonathan. Same thing. Yeah. I have to say, though, in my opinion, and maybe this can just be, like, my headcanon because it's clearly not what the, like, writer, based on this line that Flo has, it's not what the writers intended, but in my opinion, that fight wasn't about Nancy. It was about Steve insulting his family, especially after mm-hmm. Will has gone missing, Jonathan still thinks that Will is dead, potentially. Uh, He loves his mom. So, in my opinion, that fight isn't about Nancy. It's about Jonathan's relationship with his family. Yeah, I would say it's 75% Jonathan and his family, 25% Nancy. Okay. Nancy was the catalyst, and then the rest of it was Was the family. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any other thoughts about that storyline? Would you tell me what Patreon is? I sure will. Patreon is a service that you can use to help support your favorite creators by giving a monthly donation. And it's great because, I don't know if you know this, we have a Patreon. Um, It's patreon.com slash autos, and our monthly donations start at a dollar. That's it? Yeah, it's like a bargain. Wow. And it gives you special access to stuff like early releases to the podcast, like at least two days early, sometimes sometimes one day. So yeah, if you're into that sort of thing and it helping us support all our hosting fees because we have five podcasts because we're insane, that would be very appreciated. And if you can't donate, we understand word of mouth is also great too. Tell your friends, 
that we exist. Dustin convinces Mike to go and apologize to Lucas, but Lucas won't accept it until Eleven is out of the picture. Since Mike won't agree to that, Lucas decides to go out by himself to find Will. He uses his compass, which takes him to the lab where he sees the power company vans. Meanwhile, Mike and Dustin go off to find Eleven, who's having various flashbacks to her time in the lab. She steals some Eggos and eats them. Mike and Dustin are found by Troy and James, who have a knife. It all comes to a head in the quarry, where Troy threatens Dustin and forces Mike to jump off the cliff. Eleven finds them and saves Mike, breaking Troy's arm in the process. In another flashback, Eleven touches the monster inside her little upside down and causes the gate to open. She thinks she's the monster. Mm. Hey, you know who's here and came to see uh, Scott Clark? Who? Connie from Social Services. Oh my god. Please, call me Scott. I thought it was so interesting. Obviously, they tailored that visit specifically to that teacher and those kids. Oh, yeah. I love that. She was like, we're looking for kids with this, 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 and this. Do you know any kids? And he's like, oh, boy, do I. The attention to detail. And you know what? They need um, a pick-me-up because their friend just died. Yeah, it's almost like, this is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And it's because it is. Mm -hmm. I loved that Dustin was willing to stand up for Lucas. He was like, it wasn't Lucas's fault. It wasn't even your fault. It wasn't Eleven's fault. It wasn't my fault. Everyone here was out of line. Yeah. I was the only person who was being a good person. Everyone else was going crazy. Dustin sees the big picture a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I think he's very much like Mike and Lucas are very much detail oriented. Lucas is much more big worldview. And I think Will- You mean Dustin? Oops. Dustin is very much like a big worldview. And I think Will is probably the same way. Mm -hmm. So going into a- flashback for some reason when Brenner like goes to like get 11 and is like come on let's do good things today he brings her a flower ah nothing like giving a gift to manipulate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting because it's clear that she doesn't really get to go outside yeah so like that's like such a classic abuser tactic is here I'm going to give you something and then you're welcome yep Mm -hmm. so it's like I am the source of both pain and happiness for you Mm -hmm. and it's my decision which one you get every time that somebody looks into a pond and you see and they see their reflection and it's very clear that it's not a real reflection because when you actually look into a pond you can't even really see your reflection no you cannot so they always have to like superimpose it in there I'm always reminded of High School Musical 2 oh I thought you were gonna go to Mulan no because that's animated oh all right um but in High School Musical 2 during bet on it Zac Efron looks in the thing in the, in the pond. Is that the one where he's having that big dramatic song? In the golf course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dustin is kind of the glue in this um, friendship. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because he says that he doesn't, he didn't come in until grade four. And he doesn't even think that he's, you know, plays a role in their relationship mm-hmm. as much. Which I think, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. You know, he doesn't understand his own value. Mm-hmm. I think both Lucas and Mike are right in this conversation. I think oh, Mike, I agree. Mike is like, it wasn't her fault. Well, t- sorry, not it wasn't her fault, but she didn't mean to. It was an accident. She wasn't trying to hurt anybody. She was trying to keep us safe. All correct statements. Mm-hmm. But I also understand Lucas's side where he's just like, we need to, I've been saying it from the beginning, we need to go to the police. We need to go to some to people, talk to the authorities, talk to the people who know what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. He's it, the one who's saying we need to tell a grown-up. But he still doesn't because he knows how much it means to Mike mm-hmm. that Eleven doesn't get caught or whatever. So he goes off by himself because he feels like he can only trust himself at this point because his friends are going against him. And his friends are now friends with someone who hurt him. Yeah. So I think Lucas is more than justified in all of his paranoia because so far Eleven's brought them nothing but danger. Mm-hmm. And she also did try to manipulate them into doing the opposite of what they needed. Mm-hmm. She wasted their time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dustin's shirt this episode is from the Artichoke Festival. Oh, I'm glad that his mom made him go to that. Okay. Or do you think he went to that voluntarily? It's Dustin. Yeah. So it could be either. Yeah. Yeah. So Eleven goes into the store. Mm-hmm. 
the little grocery store, mm-hmm. steals some Eggos, and everyone's staring at her because she's a kid, a little girl in a pink dress, shaved head, super, super dirty, blood coming out her nose. Interesting. She's like, this is my Carrie cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, hey, um, can I help you? Are you doing okay? You're bad for business right now? And she calls him a mouth breather. And I just want to say, poor Robert. He didn't deserve that. He was just trying to help. Yeah, he was like, hey, you seem like you're in a little bit of distress and that you're about to rob us. Mm-hmm. Could I help? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you probably have bad breath from the dry mouth you get from breathing through your mouth. Hmm. Hmm, really sad. And of course, this is the beginning of the ego phenomenon. I'm gonna be real with you. I'm tired of the ego phenomenon. It was funny. Now it's not funny anymore. Well, I mean, with a lot of memes and like, this is just, this is just the cycle of pop culture. It's just something's really, really cool. And then it's overexposed and then it's not cool anymore. And so that's just always, that's just how pop culture is. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, the thing I was most horrified about the Ego thing is that um, she just ate them like defrosted, mm-hmm. like not even toasted, man. Mm-mm. Those were some limp waffles. Soggy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Brenner tells her in the flashback before she goes into the little bath is that it can't hurt you from here. What does that mean? Is that the truth? No, I don't think that's the truth. Because when she touched it, she opened the gate. So like, what do you mean it can't hurt you from here? Okay, hang on, hang on, okay. If she is not physically present, because she is not physically there in the way that Will is physically in the upside down, in the way Mm -hmm. that Nancy physically goes to the upside down. Uh So maybe it is possible that if you only travel to the upside down mentally, you actually can't be hurt. Right. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't see how Brenner could know that Mm -hmm. because... As far as we can tell, Eleven is the first successful subject of these experiments. Right. So I think she probably can be hurt. I think it's probably that it causes more, um, what's a mental? more eloquent, yes, mental hurt. I was going to say, it's more head hurt. <laughs> the old double H, more of a head hurt. I love the moment where Lucas is like leaving on his bike and he fully just waves to the bad guy. I know, he's like, hey, what's up? The bad guy's like, we're going to follow him, right? (laughs) I love how in multiple times this episode, Dustin just gets all of his logic from D&D. You know, because they play it. That's because you're Dustin. I guess that's fair. Yeah. But like, you know, he's like, he uses similes that are like D&D. Accessible. Mm -hmm. Just like talking about the Demogorgon, just like talking about Shadow Walk and everything. Using Demodogs, using um, Mind Flayer in season Two, it just makes things make more sense to everybody, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people, I respect people who do this because, uh, I'm about to go off on a tangent, but I know that you're going to follow me. A lot of people find using metaphors or things that they understand to make complex situations more understandable, they think that that's childish. So like when you relate to something and you look through it through the lens of all of my information about this subject came from Lost. Mm -hmm. Or I look at it and I'm like, oh, I got that from Star Trek. Or some people compare political events to Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Other people will stand there and say, that's immature. This is real life. Like you need to stop relating everything to friggin' Harry Potter. For some people, that's the lens that they start to understand complex issues through. Mm -hmm. So like, you're not always going to understand everything through Harry Potter. If you're beginning to learn and process difficult and like really difficult to understand uh, scenarios through a lens that is accessible and comfortable to you, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So like Dustin being the conduit for the audience where we're like, oh, okay, all of us sort of vaguely have an understanding of what D&D is. Like everyone sort of like knows 
the idea of D&D. That's a brilliant storytelling tool. Mm -hmm. And I think when you bring that over to real life, that's a valid way to do things. Like, for example, I think this, I think we were on the Riverdale podcast when I said this, but like, I literally went, I was looking for a word and then I went, you know, it's what the Balfoys have. Bigotry. And then I remembered what bigotry exactly. meant because I knew that a lot of the time when I hear that word, it's being used to describe the Malfoys mm-hmm. because I listen to, like, podcasts about Harry Potter. I read mm-hmm. articles about Harry Potter, you know. So I hear the word bigotry all the time in relation to that. And so if I'm looking for the word bigotry, I can just be like, oh, yes, I know this word because it has something to do with this other thing. Exactly. And it's not that you understand the concept because of Harry Potter. You understand the concept of bigotry because you are in um, a marginalized community. So, like, we're both in the LGBTQIA community. We understand the concept of bigotry because, you know, we see it around us all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We see it online. We see it in reality. We see it in the president of the United States. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. But if you need to look for something through the lens of pop culture in order to understand it and then evolve as a person, that's fine. I just want to give a shout out. Dustin is very mature. I love Dustin. I love him. And I think he's great. I think, I think he's great. Um, I would die for him. I think that he has the cutest little face that I've ever seen in my life. Let me um, connect that to the point you just made then. Because Dustin's the one who keeps bringing up like D&D stuff. He's the one that tries to make it make sense for everybody by that. Mm-hmm. But he's the most mature one. And he's showing, he's exhibiting that for sure. Yeah. He's like, okay, um, I need to explain something difficult. Let's do it through something that we all relate to. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, they also have the chat about how you can have more than one best friend. That's so sweet. I love that scene. In the mortal words of Mindy Kaling, best friend is a tear, not a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so Troy shows up with James and he has a knife. Cool. What do you have? A knife. No. no! Shout out to Dustin, another one, that he's been like, he knows to ditch his bike. There are some kids who are just like, this is a very important like, for example, in the very beginning, I think it was, like, episode... I'm pretty sure it was episode one when Hop, when uh, Hopper was saying, like, this kid wouldn't ditch his bike. This is, bike, this is, like, um, really, really valuable to them. But, like, I think it was Hopper who said, these bikes are very, very valuable to these kids. They mean the world to them. So it's, like, there are a lot of kids who, like, if in the face of danger would hold onto their bike even though it slows them down a whole lot and like mm-hmm. he knows to like fully just ditch his bike and he's like I'll come back for it later you yeah know? so I thought that was really great a reference to stand by me again Mike and Dustin get in a switchblade fight a switchblade fight with the bullies I love that so Lucas learns that the power company it, power company is like the evil guys which I'm of course shocked is important and thank god he's now figured it out uh, my next note was Dustin is like 12 and he has a knife to his throat and he's like hey this is normal but like mm, that should probably just never happen to anybody and my my guys got it done to him at 12 that's not cool but i find that like the thing that is fascinating to me about dustin is like he's so brave mm-hmm. like, oh something- fully he's like yeah. it's okay mike don't do it mike yeah. you know like yeah. i think because he kind of draws bravery from the fact that he's seen things like this on tv and he thinks he knows how to handle it and yeah. then it turns out Actually, he does know how to handle it. He's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a good boy. Troy would have been liable for Mike's death. Yeah, that's, um... There are two witnesses that can say that Troy basically forced Mike to die and jump off the cliff, cliff because Hopper literally said a few episodes ago that we mentioned that... Hopper says, like, you would die if you jumped. Yeah. It would be, like, concrete, right? Which, of course, is set up for this exact thing. Do you think that's manslaughter or is that second-degree murder? I don't 
No. Right? I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, do you think you could become a lawyer? Let's ask Kim Kardashian. Okay, she would know. Mm-hmm. She's a lawyer. Yeah. Soon. Mike shouldn't have to make decisions like this. He's which little. I think is just which I think is just um common knowledge. Yeah. But um that sucks for him that it's like, hey, I'm gonna maim your friend mm-hmm. or you have to kill yourself. And I think that's the thing that it, this show does really well, is even though I mean they're obviously visually kids, mm-hmm. a lot of times you in shows where a kids are acting very adult you kind of forget how young they are Mm -hmm. this show never lets you forget that these are kids yes like they're dealing they're kids dealing with really difficult things that's what's so upsetting um in season two and in season three and when Finn was in like it and everyone was like I I don't want to say everyone but like there were a select few people on the internet who were like sexualizing these kids and it's like when the show reminds you over and over and over that these are kids how in the heck are you doing this? Yeah, exactly. You know, how how are you justifying doing this when, like, it would make, obviously it would still be horrible, but it would make more sense if, like you said, the show didn't and it, they, like, let you think they were they were older and, you know, they would do older things. But like you said... They're little kids. They're kids. And the show reminds you over and over and over again that they are kids, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's like, when people sexualize these kids, I'm like, okay, they're kids and how are, how would you have possibly forgotten that? And that I, that's a big problem that people are probably listening to this and going, wait, what? It actually does happen on the internet more than you would think it does um, because people are gross. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering what the hell, that's, that, that's happening for sure. Yeah. Yeah. James, Troy's friend, is, like, kind of unsure about this. Like, Troy, like, has a knife and he, like, is all over, oh, yeah, like, Troy's Dustin and in. stuff. And then he's like, hey, jump off the cliff. And James is like, whoa. He's like, hang on. I don't know if I'm cut out to be a flunky. Not sure if we chatted about this. He's definitely that guy in Iron Man 3 who, like, he's the flunky. Mm-hmm. And Tony Stark comes up to him, like, you know, like, fully ready to fight. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, actually, like, I don't want to do this. These guys are so weird. Mm-hmm. He's that guy. He's like, I, I don't want to be a flunky. I'm out. Which podcast did you mention that one in? I think it was Riverdale. Mm, okay. So Eleven saves Mike, of mm-hmm. course, and breaks Troy's arm. And you know what? Break it. Yeah. Freak maybe- that guy. Hello? Maybe, um, make him be his pants again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe poop. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Ha 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 ha, poop your pants. <laughs> the fact that Eleven has that power is like... That's my sister's dream superpower. I know. Just by the way. Yeah, if you ever ask her, like, what her, like, dream superpower is, she always says that she wants people to poop their pants on command. That's my what she wants. My sister is um, plus size Barbie official on Instagram. Yeah, so. So if you want to go mention, hey, I know what you want your secret superpower to be, that would crack me up. Thank you so much. Yeah, if you want to go on her Instagram and be like, wow, this person is majestic. But I do secretly know that what she really wants in life is to be able to make people poop their pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love knowing that because she'll like post things and people will be like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. And I'm like, sometimes there was this one time in high school that she didn't shower for like 17 days. You know? <laughs> Eleven touched the monster in the Upside Down, and that is how the gate opened, mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. Um, and she's the one who has to close it, which is interesting. I wonder why. Yeah. And she says that she's the monster. She's not. She's not. She's little. She made a little mistake. And she didn't even make a mistake. And she fixes it. She's she's a little girl who's yeah. been abused and tortured her entire life, mm-hmm. who still manages to be curious about things enough to reach out and touch them. Yeah. That was a, that was an innocent thing that she did. Mm-hmm. So now there's going to be like a convoy of like evil power vans or whatever. Why they need so many guns? Why do they need so many vans? It's a lot Why of Why they vans? need so many people? Like I understand it's like 
this girl is who they're trying, who they're going up against. They know that she's very powerful, but like, what makes you think that guns are going to stop her? You know, like, why you have so many guns? What are those going to do? Is it for the Demogorgon? They should really have Magneto helmets. Mm. You know, mm. not susceptible. So now it's time for segment. My first segment is good guy Steve alert. Mostly not a good guy this no. episode, no. and I'm of course willing to talk about that and say that that is true. Um, but good guy Steve alert wants to check up on Nancy because she seems like she was being weird. I get it. That's my. That's the only good guy Steve alert I really had this episode. And mine is which milk is the most badass? Choice uh, Terry. Terry. Just to change it up a little bit. Okay. Sure. Now it's time for a best line award. My best line award goes to Dustin for. She's our friend and she's crazy! And mine also goes to Dustin and Four. But no one ever says anything until you both start punching and yelling at each other like goblins with intelligence scores of zero. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you are so inclined, please write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's just perpetually open. It's in the description. Uh, we'd love to hear some things that you like about the podcast and some things that you don't like about the podcast so we know what to change. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. So you can uh, tune in. We're in the middle of... Well, actually, we're about to finish season three. Mm-hmm. That's three seasons of Riverdale that we have covered now. Wow. That's a lot. So many. It's a lot of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is also on that feed if you're interested in that. Yeah. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. Uh, season 6 is just uh, beginning. Yes. Yes, we're a few episodes in so far. Mm-hmm. And we are very, very excited to keep talking about this season. So join us over there. If you're a fan of Lost, we'd like to talk about that show too. We are sort of continuing season 2 right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, monthly are the episodes yes. of that. But we are... Um, uh, in the second half of season two. So eventually uh, that will continue and I look forward to it. And if you like long podcasts, that's our longest one. That is our longest one for sure. Deep dive. Uh, follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, uh, mostly Twitter. And I do post a lot of gifts on our Tumblr and I work really hard on it. Thanks. Thanks. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have spared all dollar, we would really appreciate it. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can find me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. The next episode is episode 107, The Bathtub. Can you believe that there are only two episodes left of season one? It's like, wow, that's so exciting, but also I'm just waiting because that means that season three is about to start. Finally! <laughs> that's the main thing that I'm waiting for. Um, So yeah, I'm Get very excited. Going. I'm very excited. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye!